Friends, those of you that are here, those of you that are joining us online, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for connecting. Um, I, I make a point of thanking you because there were, there were choices you made already. Whether you were going to go out to the lake or to the mall or to your backyard or you decided to come here, and I think that was a good choice. And I don't say that to say it's a good choice because you can come and listen to me. Because I don't want you to listen to me. I, I need to get myself out of the way to let God have his way. And this morning, God's word has already gone forth. And the Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. You know, he, he wants your life to be something you couldn't even imagine or dream that it's so good. And, and that's because he wants your life so blessed that you can be a blessing to the people around you that he so loves, whether they know he loves them or not. But in all of this, God wants to give us his words of life. And, and today I happen to be the one that, that is able and has the privilege to be able to share God's word with you. Next week it's going to be Tony Cook. But it doesn't matter who's sharing the word of God. What's important is that we hear the word of God. And that we hear not just the logos, the general word of God, because there's going to be a lot of word that's shared here today. But what's the specific rhema word? The Bible says the rhema word is the sword of the spirit. It is the only offensive weapon that you and I have as Christians. We have armor, but we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It is a specific word for a specific person for a specific time. Now, you could all be that specific person this morning. But God has a word to implant in you to be able to impart to you his life and his wisdom and his health. The Bible says God's word is life and health to those who find it. How many of you know what you find? What do you mean by that? You find what you look for. And if today we sit here and we take the time, spend the time to be in this place, but we're looking at this afternoon or tomorrow or this week, then we could possibly miss what God has for us. And God always gives us what we need before we need it. He always provides ahead of time. And so don't miss what God has for you today. And, and I don't know what it is for you. I just know that there's something for every one of us. And so I just want to pray before we get started and, and just invite God to be God because there's no one else that can be and no one else should be. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you, Father, for the plan that you have for good with a future and a hope. That's what you said your plan for us is. And Father, you have a provision. Your word your spirit, your life, your grace, your peace, your joy, your love, your hope, and the list goes on. Father, you have abundant life for us, and yet oftentimes we're living well below that, that provision that you have. And so today, Father, help us grow. Help us grow in your grace and in your knowledge. Help us grow in our trust and confidence in you. That, Father, we can be the light that you have for us to be in this dark world at this time. And the salt in the earth. Father, we thank you for the good work that you've begun in us, that you are faithful to complete. And we want today to grow and go 
from glory to glory. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Well, last week we started to uh, look at uh, the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. And one of the things that's absolutely true is for us that have been born in America and live in America, we don't know anything or very little about living in a kingdom. Because our, our country, our government style is a democracy. Everybody is represented, everybody gets a vote. That's not what a kingdom is like. A kingdom is all about the king. And, and who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Jesus. And so he has a kingdom. And we've been learning about this kingdom. We've been learning about the fact that God has established a kingdom. Jesus said to his disciples, wherever you go, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now think about that. That wasn't just for the group back then when Jesus walked the earth. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know today, wherever you go, the kingdom of God is at hand. That means everything that the kingdom has is available to you right where you are, no matter what's going on. And that ought to give us a security in the world that we live in that is so unstable and so quickly changing and so full of bad news. You know, God's kingdom is a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom that brings victory, and God wants to bring victory to your life every day. But the only way that happens is we let God have his way. Because if, if we are part of his kingdom, and in any kingdom, the king always gets his way. Now, I know we live in a society that we have uh, different organizations and businesses. One of them tells you that you can have it your way. But, but that's, that's true to a degree, but there'll be a price to pay. See, whenever we have it our way, we don't always make the right choices. We, we think we do. But there's a way that seems right, the scripture says, whose end is death. And I know, looking back over the course of my life, uh, the multitudes of decisions I've made, and, and some of them worked out okay. Some of them, a few of them, worked out well. And, and some of them were just train wrecks. And I, I am getting too old to have train wrecks or just okay. I want the best. And the only way I can have the best in my life is to let God have his way. And so today we're going we're gonna to look at the kingdom. But we are all part of, whether we realize it or not, even though we live in the United States, we're already part of a kingdom when we come into this world. When we're born into this world, we are part of a kingdom and not even realizing it. And that's where in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, uh, the scripture says this, For he, speaking of God, has rescued us. How many of you know you need to be rescued? I know that every week. I need God's help. Somebody was helping me today. My, my pants leg was, was caught on my, my uh, boot. And they went down to help me out. And I said, you know, uh, Debbie's in Georgia, so I need a lot of supervision. <laughs> and I do. I, I honestly do need a lot of supervision. Left to myself, I am not going to to do as well as I would if I left God in control and allowed him to have his way. But he's rescued us. From what? 
You know, sometimes we don't even realize we need to be rescued. It says from the kingdom of what? Darkness. See, there's a kingdom operating in this world, whether we realize it, whether we acknowledge it or not, doesn't mean that it's not operating, that it's not real. It's more real than most things that you and I deal with. This kingdom of darkness, it's the kingdom of the enemy. He has a right to operate in this world because Adam and Eve gave him that license. When they turned and trusted in him and what he was saying and, and causing them to question God and doubt God and they turned away from God. And listen, when we turn away from God, we're turned the wrong direction. It doesn't matter what way we turn. If it's not towards God, it's the wrong direction. We're about to go in a direction that's going to be very costly. And we don't even realize it because sometimes it looks really good. Man, look at this. I need to go there. Is that what God has for you to do? Does that line up with God's truth, his word? Because if it doesn't, that is a deception. And it's promising all sorts of good things. But what it's going to deliver is death. It's going to rob, it's going to steal, it's going to destroy our lives. And that's why many times we find ourselves in places we never dreamed we'd be, doing things we never thought we'd do, and paying a price we never wanted to pay. And so it's, 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 we have to realize that there are two kingdoms in this world. The kingdom of darkness that God wants to rescue everyone from and transfer us into the kingdom of his dear son. It's the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. The kingdom of death versus the kingdom of life. The kingdom that brings all sorts of hopelessness and helplessness and the kingdom of hope and stability and peace and joy. Now, when we look and listen to that, we know what kingdom we want to be a part of. But it doesn't just happen. It's by choice. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. See, God gave his son so everyone could choose. But we've got to make that choice. We've got to make that initial choice to recognize Jesus was the son of God. He was a sinless Man, when he walked in the earth, he died for the sins of all of us and paid the price, conquered hell and death in the grave, and was raised to life when he was resurrected and is now seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven, glorious and victorious. And now we have to choose, do we want to stay in the kingdom of darkness? Or do we want to turn to and trust in Jesus and enter into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of life. And it's a choice. It's a choice every person is going to make. And, and you may say, well, not everybody's going to make it. If they don't make it, they've made it. They've made that choice just by not making a decision about it. And you may say, well, how is everybody going to know? Uh, that's, that's beyond my pay grade. That's just above me. I don't know, but I know God is just and God is loving and God is faithful and he'll never let anyone go to hell that hasn't made the decision to reject Jesus.
And you may be here this morning or, or online and you may say, but you know, I don't know if I agree with that Jesus is the only way. Okay. You don't have to agree with it, but that doesn't make it not true. And you may say, well, I, I don't know if I believe the Bible. You don't have to believe the Bible. You don't have to do anything. But there's a price to pay by every decision we make. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and you hear people say, well, you know, that's really exclusive. Christianity is really narrow. It's really exclusive. No. No, it's not. That's like saying the bridge across the Niagara River is, is really exclusive. No, anybody can go over the bridge. But you got to choose to use the bridge or you stay where you are. And Jesus is that bridge. He is that door that is the entrance into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Relationship in the kingdom of God to have abundant life. And you know what? Some people are going to say, well, I don't believe that, and so I'm going to go my own way. All right, all right, that's okay. You can do that. But if you're wrong, what's it cost you? It's going to cost you a lot. And when we see lives being changed because Jesus becomes Lord of a human being's life, and all of a sudden, life begins to rise up in them and develop them in a way that was never a part of their life before. It's, it's, it's undeniable. And we just have to look around. And people need to be looking at us. We need to have people inspect our lives and see, are we continuing to grow in his grace and in his knowledge? Are we becoming more like Jesus than ever before? Are we loving no matter what anybody does to us? Are we kind? Are we patient? Are we generous? Because that's what we should be becoming more and more like every day because the world needs to see him. Just like the disciples said, Lord, show us the Father. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it should be said of us, if they've seen us, they're seeing Jesus. Now, I understand none of us are perfect, but people should see a change in us ongoing that never ends in this life. We're becoming more, more, and more like Jesus. But this says, we come out of, we're rescued from this kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of of his dear son. Now, if you've ever traveled out of the country and you go to another country with another culture and, and another language and, and different traditions, you, you, you have to do something very quickly if you're going to start to live in that culture, in that kingdom. You have to start to learn about them and make adjustments. One of the first things you have to learn is, is language. Because if you don't learn the language, how to communicate with the people in that new country that you're going to, then it's not going to be an easy trip for you. It's not going to go so smoothly. 
And now we're in this new kingdom when we put faith in Jesus Christ. Until that point, we are part of the kingdom of darkness. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you're of your father, the devil. We're going to be under either his dominion and in his kingdom, or we're going to be under our heavenly father's dominion and his kingdom. And so in, the, in that situation, we have to begin to learn about the kingdom, learn about the culture, learn about how to communicate. And in the kingdom of God, you know, we have something that is absolutely unique to any kingdom. In most kingdoms, even in our democracy, how accessible is the head of our democracy? I mean, can you call him up and say, hey, I just want to talk to you for a second. Hey, you know what? I don't understand this. Why, why, why is this going on this way? No, you can't call the president. And in kingdoms, you, you don't have access to the king except one kingdom. This is an amazing thing about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the king himself is available, ready, willing, and desiring to interact and invest in our lives every day, all the time. If, if you just think about that, the creator of the universe, the most powerful being ever, the wisest of all the wise, and it's not even close, once to have interaction with us, wants to have a relationship with us, wants to be intimate with us. And it's possible, not just on Tuesdays. What's it about Tuesdays? I could have picked any day. And not just on Sundays, but every hour of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year that you will have in this life. There is nothing that can separate you from God who is love. And listen, it's a lot better than your cell coverage because there are no drop calls. You can't get beyond his coverage. Because he always is with you. And so this kingdom, this kingdom, we've got, to, we've got to adjust to, adapt to, align with. And it, it takes effort. And some of us, when we, when we come to the Lord, you know, we don't want to do all that work. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. And it is work. It, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes investment. But it is so important because... Then we live in this world. Like the Bible says, as a believer, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. This is not our home as believers in Jesus Christ. Where is our home? Heaven. You know, you hear home is where the heart is, right? And that's true about the kingdom of God. If your heart is with God, that's where your home is, with God.
but he's got for us to live in this world, to, to be a living, breathing example, an advertisement for heaven. How, how do you think people are reacting to how you're advertising heaven and advertising the king? Just a question. I don't need an answer. But this new, new kingdom, new environment, new and living way that we walk in, you know, we first have to realize that there is a way to communicate. And how do we communicate with our king? Prayer. Prayer. And that's where we left off last week. We began to look at a prayer. A prayer that is probably over 2,000 years old. Probably the most quoted prayer of all time. The best known prayer of all time. And yet the least understood prayer. And it's important. If, if you're praying something, if you're speaking something, don't you think it's important to know what you're speaking? When I was in Russia, I knew zero Russian. And I wanted to converse with somebody, and, and the guys that I was, I was there with, that was a, we were on a hockey team, I asked them, which was the first mistake, how do I say thank you so much for your generosity? Now, I should have just said, how do I th say thank you? But I said, I, I, I wanted to embellish. And so they gave me what they said was that. And I don't know what they're telling me. And I should have known because I know these guys. I should have known I couldn't trust them. And they told me, and I tried to say it, and they were like, no. And the person I'm saying it to is looking at me funny. <laughs> and I asked them to, to say it again. So I said, say it in part so I can say it to them. And they're just, they're, they're, I didn't even notice they're, they're straining not to laugh. And so they did it, and I said it, and the person looked at me and then walked away. And I thought, that wasn't what I was expecting. And then they told me what I said, and I can't tell you. <laughs> that, was, that was their way. But we've got to know, how do we communicate? What do we communicate? What do we do? And this prayer, this prayer is, is a prayer that Jesus gave his disciples and many times we just quote it, and if you just put that up, Cheryl, you know, I, I probably didn't even need to put this up this morning, and we could all say it together. Let's do that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, how many of you knew that prayer before you walked in here today? Right. Pretty much everybody. You could quote it. You knew all the words of it. But if you don't understand what you're saying, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good because we can teach this prayer to a parrot and the parrot can say this prayer and it's not going to do the parrot any good why because the parrot doesn't have any understanding 
not going to be impacted by it. This prayer should impact us. And, and when we understand what this prayer is all about, we realize this isn't just a prayer to quote over and over and over again, because if we say it enough, something's going to happen. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus sets this all up and he says, in this manner, therefore pray. Now, how many of you know when he says, in this manner, it's not saying just keep saying these exact words. This is an example. This is an outline. This is, this is a way to pray. And he's, Jesus is showing his disciples, you don't have to keep praying the same words all over again all the time. You can do that if they're meaningful, but there's more to prayer than just this prayer. And this is a template for prayer. When years ago, after we had uh, moved up here from Mississippi, uh, Resurrection Life Church had been started, and, and we, were, we did something that a man by the name of Larry Lee had a book out. And, and it was a book about the Lord's Prayer and how it was a template. And, and he helped people understand you can pray for one hour guided by the points of this prayer. And we would, we would get up and, and down where the Salvation Army thrift store is. That's where this church at one time was. Yeah. We've been a lot of places around town, but this has by far been the best place. But we were down there and we would go in at 5 o'clock in the morning. Because somebody said, you know, the Bible says, seek him early when he may be found. And how many of you know early doesn't mean 5 o'clock? It may be early to you, but somebody who gets up at 4 is not going to think 5 is early. So early is before you need him. Okay? You and I need to seek God before we need him. Because it's awful hard to hear what we need to hear when we're all, oh, God, help me. And so if you listen to him in the still and the quiet and the calm of your life before things get crazy and you hear what he has to say, you're prepared to go through whatever it is you face. And so he says, pray in this manner, this manner. This, this, this is a template for prayer. But what precedes this is really telling because if we really read our Bible, we wouldn't do some of the things we do. Because it gives us guidance. And so in, in Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 5, Jesus says this. He says, and when you pray, how many of you know he wants us to pray? The Bible tells us, God says, my house, and this is not his house. You as a believer are his house. You carry the presence of God. My house will be called a house of prayer. That means we're supposed to be people of prayer. We're also told in the Bible we're to pray without ceasing. That will give you an indication that prayer isn't always about talking. Although some people, you would think they can do that. They can talk all the time. But prayer is about listening, too. It's almost more important to listen in your prayer time than it is to talk. Because you gain from God. But he says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. <clears throat> That's what we're known as. 
Bless you. You know, that's been a label that the world's thrown on us. Oh, you guys are all hypocrites. And what is a hypocrite? Somebody that does something, but it's not real. It's not real. Actually, the original word means to have a mask over your face, to be masked up. Don't be, show what you really are. So don't be like hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. So what's this telling us? This is telling us you should pray, but don't pray this way to be seen or to impress or to be liked, which is a huge thing in our society now. So many people want to be liked. Listen, people are fickle. They change like that. Some of the same people that were celebrating Jesus on Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna. Were the same ones in the crowd that were yelling a week, a few days later, crucify him, crucify him. You can't make somebody happy all the time. There's going to be challenges. But that's why you don't look to impress or be liked by everybody because you're loved by one more than all the rest. And that's God. And he's, he may not like all the things that we do, but he'll help us come to the place where we're doing the things that please him. If we're willing to adjust to him. So don't be like the hypocrites standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you... When you pray, there it is again, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, we all want rewards. But this says, until you go into the secret place and pray to your father in secret, you close the door. What's that all about? Do I have to have a designated room in my house that's the prayer room? No, no. This isn't about being legalistic. This is about principles. The principle is that you don't pray for everybody to see you or everybody to hear you. This is about you and God. Now, does that mean we don't ever pray in public? No, we pray in public. But I will tell you this. If you pray more in public than you do in private, you're a hypocrite. Oh, that didn't go over well. Because we're, we're, we're putting on a mask. We're being religious. We want to impress people. Listen, that only goes so far for so long. Because eventually people are going to see what we're made out of and what we're like and how we have flaws and, and frailties and failures. And they may like you today and they may hate you tomorrow. They, they may be encouraging you today and talking about you behind your back tomorrow. And you know that's true. We all know it's true. We've all faced it. But God will never do that. God will always be truthful with us. God will always want to help us to get from where we are closer to where he has ordained for us to be.
And that's the going from glory to glory. But we need to have an intimacy, a relationship that is interactive, not sporadically, but consistently, not on a Sunday morning, not when we are just going down in flames and the tires are coming off and it's a train wreck. Because sometimes that's, that's what our prayer life is. You know, my, my prayer life at one time, all it consisted of was flares. When I got in distress, when things got overwhelming and I, I was just going down, Heavenly Father. And you know what? He was happy to hear from me. But then I would dismiss him after I got out of the trouble. See, I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and we're all knowing we're all guilty. Because that's what we are. Because we don't realize how much we need God and how readily available God is. How much he wants God wants to help us more than we want his help. But God won't force his help on us. He's waiting for us to fear him, to, to give him the preeminent adoration and awe that he deserves all the time, where we are, we are just so aware that there is no one in our lives like God, and we need God like no one else. And we're trusting him and we're giving him the priority and we're loving him. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. As much as I would say, God, I love you, I love you, I wasn't loving him because I wasn't doing what he said. And I would get myself into these jams and I would shoot that flare of prayer. God, help me. You know, God never said, you know what, you've done this too much, I'm done with you. God is always there. God always cares. He'll never turn away from you. But don't keep putting yourself into those situations. We need to learn from these things. And I'm happy to say I have learned. Not completely, but I'm growing in it. And so we have to have this intimate interactive relationship with God that is more real than any relationship we have with another human being. Because your relationship with God is eternal. It is rock solid and it is life changing. But he goes on to say, therefore, don't be like them for, I'm sorry. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. So we've got one part where we're not to be like hypocrites, to do what we do to be seen and to be acknowledged and to be liked and to be esteemed. And we're not to do vain repetition. And yet, how many people do you think and how often did we vainly repeat the Lord's Prayer because we didn't know what it meant? When it means in vain, it means there's no benefit. And if we're just parroting words, there's no benefit. And that's why it's important for us to come to understand this, this prayer that Jesus said, pray in this manner. 
Don't just pray it over and over and over again thinking something's going to change. Don't do it to be seen by people. But pray to your Father in secret. Develop this intimate, interactive relationship that is ongoing everywhere. Goes on to say, for therefore don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. So, so if he knows what I need before I ask, why does he have me come and ask him? Because your Father, Heavenly Father, wants intimacy. He wants interaction. He wants something alive. I was talking to my, uh, my son this week, and he said, Dad, what do you want for Father's Day? I said, there's only one thing I want. I want time with you. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what's going on in your life. What are your, your successes? What are your struggles? Dad, I want to get you something. I don't want anything. I want time with you. I want to know about everything. Now, does God know everything that's going on in our life? Absolutely. There's nothing hidden. But God wants time with you. He wants you to be so excited about what's going on that you want to tell him before you want to tell anybody else. He wants you, when you're struggling and overwhelmed, to want to go to him before you go to anybody else. That he would have what we talked about, the preeminence, the first place in priority and value and influence. He would be your greatest love. And you would be in awe of him. We would be in awe of him. And it is an amazing thing that the creator of the universe wants so deeply to be interactive with you and me. But he does. And he'll never turn away from you. So with that in mind, let's go back to, to this prayer. This prayer that Jesus said, pray in this manner. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we're just going to start to dissect this prayer because it's very important for us to understand, for us to get a grip on and an understanding of. Because in our society, our society is so, so struggling. People are dealing with so many things on so many fronts to such such struggles that it, it, there's not a place you can go that people aren't struggling. I was given a shirt and I should have worn it this morning, but, but the shirt says be kind. And on the back it says everybody is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And it's absolutely true. Anybody here, don't you don't have any battles? You're just flying high? Right. Right, because if you raised your hand, I'd pray for that lying spirit. <laughs> no, we're all battling. You're in a world that is a battlefield. It never ends. And we don't know about that either, but if you lived in the Ukraine or some of these places that are, are, are in battles, you just can't walk away from the battle because it just keeps coming. And it's the way here spiritually. There, there is no place you can go that there isn't a spiritual battle going on. 
And it, it lends itself to all sorts of battles that we deal with. But that's why we can't, we can't do this alone. God never intended or expected us to do it alone. It's not like we show up and we go to him and say, look what I did. Aren't you proud of me? He doesn't want you to do something for him. He wants you to do something with him. We learn in this world, if I do something good, then I can go to somebody and I can say, look what I did, and maybe they'll be impressed with us. Listen, God already sees you as priceless. You don't have to do anything, but he wants to do everything with you so that it will come out the way he intended. And the way he intended is that you would have abundant life. So, in this manner, therefore, pray. And we're just going to look at the first two words of this prayer this morning. You may say, oh my gosh, how are we going to look at two words and not be bored? I will, I will tell you that these two words, our Father, are two of the most life-changing words you'll ever speak. If you understand them and if you believe them. In our society in America, there was a survey done, and the survey determined that almost half of all Americans either regularly or continuously have a sense of loneliness or feeling like they're not a part. Now, you, you, the chances are half of you here feel that way. Or it could be more. I think that's a low number. But feel like they're, they're experiencing loneliness on a regular basis or, or they're not, not connected, their life doesn't count for anything. That's a terrible thing to feel. Yet I know in my life I struggled with that. On, on, in various seasons of my life I struggled and even to the place where I wondered, would this world be better without me? And I had to fight through that. Because that's a lie. That's not true. There's no human being that comes into this world, no matter how they come into this world. God said every child is a gift and a blessing. That's God's plan for them. Whether they... Fulfill that plan or not is another thing. But that's what God intends every child to be. And that's why we can't afford to just get rid of children before they're born. But it's something we don't understand. We don't see it that way. We don't have that reference point. And everybody's got their own reference point. Their own values, their own... But I'm telling you, when we, when we just have our own values, our own reference points, it's very much like the book of Judges, where everybody did what was right in their own sight, and it was chaotic, just like it is in our society today. But when we look at this, our Father, that immediately combats the loneliness, the feeling of being disconnected, that, that we can have. We as Christians can have that, and yet it's not true. But I feel that. Yes, you do. You feel that. But how do I get rid of that? Because you focus on truth. 
You know the truth, and the truth will set you free and keep you free. And the truth is you're not alone. The truth is you're not disconnected. This says our Father, our Father in heaven. This, just the first word, three simple letters, our. That tells us that we're not alone. Whose father? Your father. But that's my father. So that means our father. All of a sudden, I'm not standing alone. I may feel alone, but the truth is I'm not alone. And sometimes you just have to tell your feelings to go take a hike. You're not supposed to be led by your feelings. God gave you emotions and feelings to enhance your life, not to destroy it. And the way our emotions and our feelings destroy our lives is if we let them lead. Listen. We don't walk by feelings. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. But can we walk by our feelings? Can we walk by our sight? Absolutely. But you're going to get what it gives you. And the number one thing walking by feelings and sight will do, it'll bring instability to your life. Your world will be a massive roller coaster ride, not in a good way. You're going to be up and down and back and forth and in and out. And that's not what God has. God has for you to be established on the rock, on him, on his word, on his ways, on who he is. And no matter what comes, the winds, we sang that this morning, didn't we? It ought to be more than just a song. We ought to learn from it and realize that Jesus was right. In this world, you're going to be you're going to have tribulation, difficult times, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So if he's overcome it, he wants to lead you in that victory to overcome it. But you and I can't do it ourselves, but he can. If we'll walk with him and rely on him. But our father, our father, it speaks of relationship. Now, I know, I know that some people have had a very difficult time. When you think about family and fathers and mothers and that kind of thing, you know, Father's Day and Mother's Day are two difficult days for some people because of what they experienced. Not what God intended, but what they experienced through their parents or in their family. And with this survey saying almost half of all Americans, that's hundreds of millions of people feel this way. And even Christians, even us, we're not immune to this, but we have a provision to be able to overcome this. And this is part of it. Our Father, ours, when we, when we recognize that we have a Father in heaven, who isn't just sitting up there, you know, waiting for us to get out of line and slapping us. Because some of our fathers, that's what they did. 
but they didn't know any better. But your heavenly father is love, and he doesn't abuse his kids. He is your greatest ally and encourager that you have ever, ever had or ever will have. And this speaks to relationship, two directions. We're in relationship with our Father. And you know what? It doesn't matter what my sons do. I should say our sons. Debbie had a part in this. <laughs> it doesn't matter what our sons do. Whether we like it or we don't, they're still our sons. Now, I know families disown their family members. And that just shows the corruption and the sin that is affecting people's lives. Because you never, never should abandon family members. You may not be able to, to enable them to keep doing what they're doing, but don't ever, don't ever say you're not, you're not a family member, because they are. And whether you can connect with them or not, you need to pray for them. Because right now, your Lord and Savior is praying for you. He is never going to reject you. No matter what you do, you can decide to turn your back on God, but God will never turn his back on you. He will, as a Christian, he will always be your heavenly father. But when we say our father, we're looking at relationship with God, which is the greatest relationship we have the privilege to have. And then we recognize as we're looking at our father, so is he looking at our father. She's looking at our father. That means we're family. We're family. And you know, you know naturally, not every family member is your closest bud. But some of our family members we get tight with. In Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul writes, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family. You know, I, I know people who have such large families, they can't get together outside of a huge hall or just out in a park, because there are so many of them. And, and it's got to be hard to know everybody, but you're going to know some, and you're going to gravitate towards some. But in our case, my mom and my dad were only children. We could have a family reunion in a closet. But I'm so grateful. I have told you, I am the most blessed person in this place. Because God has allowed me and Debbie the blessing and the honor and the privilege of becoming part of your family. 
because we're part of his family. And I will tell you, you are extraordinary, exceptional people. Your stories, your victories, your struggles. Man, it's such an honor and, and a privilege to be able to know that as a family member, I can pray. I can pray for you. Even though I don't know everything about you and I don't need to. But just think, if the body of Christ, all our brothers and sisters in the family of God in earth, really considered we're family. And family was always there to have each other's back. If you messed with one family member, the rest of the family showed up. And there is such a deep desire in us as human beings to have that kind of support. Have that kind of care. That's why gangs, gangs are still getting people to, to commit to them because they are there for each other. A lot more than the church is there for each other. And that's where the church, we, we the family of God, not the family of Resurrection Life Church, the family of God that has family members all over this city. We need to be caring for our family. And, and I, will, I, I want you to know you're doing a great job. You know, you rally oftentimes to take care of people and, and get meals and, and provide what they need. And, and that's awesome. But we, we really need to realize we are, we are family, more than our blood family, because there's coming a separation. At the end of this life, blood family isn't going to be in the same place. Spiritual family will be. If people in our family haven't made Jesus their Lord, we're not going to be with them. Not because God doesn't want them. God has always wanted them. That's why he gave his son. But they didn't want God. They didn't want to do what God says or do it God's way. And, and that can sound very egotistical, but it's not because God knows the best way. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 18, he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will tell you that years ago, I was praying, I was praying and fasting, and there was this, this sense, this word kept rolling over and over, orphaned, orphaned, orphaned. And, and I, I continued to pray, and I was looking, and I saw this. And I became very aware that there is such an orphaned mentality in our society. Now, what's it mean to be an orphan? You, you don't have parents anymore. And many times, if you're an orphan, you're not sure where your brothers and sisters are. And so there's a sense of isolation and abandonment. And I will tell you, there are people today that are dealing with such issues of, of loneliness and isolation and feeling abandoned. And that's what the enemy's done in this world. He has done that to try and damage us 
so that we'd never believe and even trust that we're part of a family. But you are. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of a bigger family than you ever dreamed. And it's not just here on earth, it's in heaven too. You got family there. And so he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so what he did was he put his spirit, when he went to the Father after he was raised from the dead, the Father and the Son sent the Spirit of God to dwell in us that nothing would ever be able to come between us and God. Nothing would separate us from God. God is always there. He always cares and he always wants to be involved, but he will never force his way. And then in Psalm 68, Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6, in the New King James says this, he will be a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now, the ERV translation says it this way. God who lives in his holy place is a father to orphans. And he takes care of widows. God provides homes for those who are lonely. He frees people from prison and makes them happy, but those who turn against him will live in the desert. Do you notice that he is a father to orphans? And today, if you are feeling alone or lonely or disconnected, and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to fight the good fight of faith. That means you, you recognize what you're feeling or what you're thinking, and you take that thought, that feeling captive, and you put it aside so that you can embrace truth that will keep you free. You are not alone. God is your Father. He is our Father. You have a relationship with Him. You have brothers and sisters that are there for you too. And he provides homes for those who are lonely. He didn't say houses. There are all sorts of groups of people that live in houses, but it's not a home because they're not family. Or they're not treating each other as family. And that's where when we look at this prayer, we realize God set the foundation for it first. Our Father. We're not going to some stranger. We're not going trying to convince somebody who doesn't care about us, uh, is only out to use us and abuse us. We're going to our father. And whatever your father was like, I want you to know, if he wasn't kind, if he wasn't encouraging, if he wasn't supportive, and, and you know what? All of our fathers were human. And as a father... My heart breaks over the things I didn't do right with my kids. And I've prayed for God to redeem that and believe he has and is continuing. But even if our fathers aren't what they 
should have been. You have a father who is always what he should be. He loves you. He's given everything that is valuable to him for you. He's with you. He wants the best for you. And he's got brothers and sisters, others of his children that are there to be with you. I just want you to bow your heads. You know, this is not an exclusive family. This is an inclusive family. God wants everyone to come to that place of the saving knowledge of Jesus' sacrifice for them, who was the door that allowed us to be able to come back to our Father. And today, if you have never turned to Christ and trusted in Christ, whether you're here in person with us or you're online, I want you to know this is the most important, most vital decision you'll ever make. And that is to recognize and receive Jesus for who he is and what he did. He's the Son of God, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world, that died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. And repent, where we, we turn around from running our own life, doing our own thing, to realizing we can't do it on our own. That's not the way God intended. We need him, and we need our brothers and sisters. And we need to be a brother or a sister to the rest of the family. And I'm going to invite you in just a minute to pray. And I'm inviting you here to pray, you at home to pray. If you've never received Christ... Make this a moment in time where you turn to and you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for all my sin. Today, Lord Jesus. I confess I'm a sinner. I come to you in need of a Savior. I turn to you. I trust in you. I give you my life. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Guide me. Govern me. Guard me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now understand that there is an end that just happened in some people's lives. It's the end of the power of sin dominating your life. The Bible says the power of sin is broken. But it's more of a beginning. Now it's a beginning to have a relationship and fellowship and intimacy with a father that you are going to get to know and brothers and sisters in a kingdom that's all new and it's awesome. Now, before, before I dismiss you, we have some other business to do. And I say business because 
you know what? This is really important. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads again. When I heard that statistic that almost half of all Americans feel this way, I just had in my heart, I believe it's more. With people watching other people's lives on, online and seeing what they're doing, it always looks glorious and, and awesome and great. And you know that's not their life because that's not what lives are all about. It's not just about mountaintop experiences. There are valleys people are going through. But we feel like, oh my gosh, I must be a real mess. But I'm alone in my mess. And God wants you to know you're not. That he's there and he cares and he wants. He's been waiting and longing to be invited by you, his child, a believer in Jesus Christ, be invited to be involved in what you're going through. But this lie, this untruth, if truth sets us free, lies imprison us. And there are some of you, maybe all of you, all of us are struggling with the lie that we're alone, no one cares. How could God even care? Look what I do, look what I am, look what I've done. But I want you to know he does care. And if that's you, if, if you feel like, you know, I feel, I feel regularly like I'm alone, that I'm struggling without support, without help, and, and I don't feel these things that you have said today are true, and I want to break through that. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm, I'm, I've struggled. I'm struggling. I've struggled from time to time. You can put your hands down. Now, I'm going to ask you to be really, really transparent. I'm going to ask you to open your eyes right now. And if you have felt that way, if you're feeling that way, I'm going to ask you to join me up here. Get out of your seat. Thank you. See, this is part of what has to happen. We have to be honest before our brothers and sisters. Be willing to say, you know what, I struggle with this. Because he is our father and none of us are in this alone. Just come on up, come on up, come on up. I'm not going to bite. And if I do, it'll be all right. Come on. I believe there are more. And nobody's, nobody is going to force you and nobody's going to ridicule you because of this. But if you're sitting out there, I want you to notice these people up here. This is your family. These are your brothers and sisters. And they struggle. And they need your help. They've got God's help, but sometimes we need God with skin on. And when I say that, what I mean is we're representatives of God. If somebody needs to be prayed for, you need to be willing to pray for them. 
If somebody needs to be encouraged, you need to be available to God to be an encourager to them because these are seeds sown. And you may not be up here today, but you might want to be up here tomorrow because you need help. And so I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I want you to know you've made a big step today. What you've done today has helped disarm the enemy. You've gotten this out of the darkness. You realize you're not standing alone. The other thing is, you realize you're not the only one. Because we're never the only one. And so if we're not the only one, we don't ever have to do it alone. But here's what I want you to do, if you're, if you're okay with it. If you're not comfortable grabbing somebody's hand, then don't grab somebody's hand. But if you are, grab somebody's hand next to you up here. I have to tell you, I am really proud of you guys. Really proud of you guys. That is awesome. Now, I want you to extend your hands, your love, and your faith. And this goes for you at home. Maybe you can't reach out and grab somebody, but just know God's there with you and we're standing with you. You're not alone. Now, Father, I thank you for these right here that you so loved. This is the magnitude and the extravagance of your love. You so loved, you gave your son for them because you wanted a relationship. You wanted to take the sin away that was keeping us from coming to you so that we could be with you and you could be with us. Father, right now, I thank you. I thank you for your truth that says that we are children of the Most High God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that lie that has been going over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in these minds. Father, we, we take authority over those thoughts. We cast them down. And Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for your truth that these are your beloved, the beloved of God, the apple of your eye, just as all your children are, that you are with them, you are for them, you never turn from them, you never forsake them, and your plan is still intact for them, a plan for a good with a future and a hope. Because you are the God of all hope, and you fill them with joy and peace. Father, I thank you. That is the heritage of your children, joy and peace. Your spirit lives in them and floods them with your love that casts out every bit of fear. Because when we realize you love us unconditionally and without interruption, then we never face anything alone. And if you're for us, which you are, there's nothing that can stand against any one of these. So, Father, I thank you right now. Your word says you're the healer of the broken heart. We thank you for healing these hearts, these minds. And Father, I thank you for enabling and empowering them to fight the good fight of faith, where they would set their thoughts on things above, on truth, 
and not fall prey again to these lies. Because, Father, we know these are lies. We don't want the lies. We want your truth. And we thank you. We thank you, Father, for a refreshing, a renewing, a revitalizing, and a new and living way that they will walk in. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Now, those